1: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
0: I tried to tell you yesterday, Chris Canty, do not disrespect the Miami Heat, but you continued to just absolutely bury them. And they showed you what they are capable you of. You see
1: how you try to flip the script? That's why I call you a good teammate but a bad guy. Because
0: <laughs> you're the one that disrespected the Miami Heat. And you've been on that train for a while now. And we will continue to do that this morning. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greedy on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Presented by Progressive Insurance. This show is jam-packed. We have got so much to get to, including game one of the Western Conference Finals later tonight. And what Steph actually needs to to accomplish that he hasn't yet that really is a huge part of his long-term legacy and Aaron Judge continues to light it up but as Brian Cashman already found his replacement all of that on the way but we need to roll down south here we
2: go! Go! go only one place to start
0: Miami Heat went into the locker room. They were down eight points. They just played desperate, and I didn't think necessarily that their defense was physical enough. They weren't active enough in the first half. That all turned into third quarter. They didn't take anything for granted. No, they didn't, and give the Heat credit. They went out in game one, as we did expect them to, and they won game one, and they took complete advantage in the third quarter after the Celtics did get off to a really, really good start in the game. And then Boston had their worst shooting quarter of the year. Chris, for me, this was as simple as a couple of things. Number one, there was no Marcus Smart, no Al Horford. Al Horford out because of safety protocols. And then number two, I think they just ran out of gas and in a game. One that, frankly, uh, a lot of us would have expected them to lose.
1: Well, I'm going to address your first point. I, I think that was a game for Miami where it wasn't must-win, but it's can't lose. Yeah. Because you knew Marcus Smart was going to be questionable coming into the game. You get the ruling earlier in the day that he's out. And then you get the news that Al Horford has entered health and safety protocols, and he's going to miss that game. Could you imagine the psyche of the Miami Heat if they have all those things going in their favor and they get blasted? I mean, run out of their building in game one? Because make moment mistake, Carlin, Carl, and that, that's what we were on our way to When you watch the first half of that game, there's a reason why Boston had a double digit lead. There was nothing that Miami could get going on the offensive end in the first half, especially in the half court offense. They they just couldn't get anything happening. They couldn't get points in the paint. They couldn't get open looks. They struggled to find some kind of rhythm, but I think you saw that switch in the second half where they were able to get some shots to fall because they relied on their defense to, to create offense for them. You're talking about them starting the third quarter on a 22-2 run. And during, during the course of that six-minute span, you're talking about being able to generate eight turnovers. So I think that's the impressive part about the Miami Heat. We know for them it starts on the defensive end. If you think back to that Philadelphia 76ers series, Jimmy Butler made the point after a big win down in Miami in Game 5. He said, if we just focus on our defense – and don't give a damn about the shots, then we're going to be okay. And you saw that mentality in the second half, and I think that's what carried the Miami Heat home.
0: Well, here you have to give Butler a ton of credit as well because now he finishes with 41 last night. That's his third 40-point game of the postseason. And then how about this stat from Matt Williams? Jimmy Butler in the second half of games this postseason, 17 points per game leading the NBA, 59% 59% from the floor. Over the last 25 years, the only players to average more points in the second half of games in a single postseason, Kevin Durant last year, Kobe Bryant three times. Yeah,
1: Jimmy Butler is special.
0: Yeah. And, and people need to start recognizing
1: that. And we were having and a And he's a closer. Well, he's a closer. But not only that, Carlin, he's a playoff performer. And, you know, some guys shrink in the moment. Some guys... I mean, you're talking about getting their very best. Eli Manning was one of those quarterbacks. During the regular season, you're going to get mixed results. But in the postseason, he's going to ball. Like, that's just what it is. And Jimmy Butler is of that ilk, man. You're talking about a guy that didn't have any 40-point games throughout the course of the regular season, Colin. Zero. He's had three 40-point games in the playoffs. Yep. And he started off game one of the conference finals with a 40-point performance. And I was asking yesterday the question of whether or not Jimmy would be able to do it at both ends. Well, Jimmy Butler answered that question last night because not only did he have 41 points, you're talking about Jimmy Butler being able to also have four steals and three blocks. So, I mean, that's impressive when he's doing it at both ends, expending that kind of energy,
0: and you're seeing that kind of efficiency in terms of his shot making. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Here's Jay Will from this morning on why he believes you actually can win a title with Jimmy Butler as your best player. Jimmy Butler's name belongs in the
1: same breath with Michael Jordan. Okay. Crazy, right? As the only players in
3: a single postseason averaging 28 points per game, five assists, two steals on
4: 50-plus percent shooting from the field. I just want you to think about that for a
2: second, Key. We just said Jimmy Butler's name in the same breath with MJ for what this dude is doing in this postseason. So the
1: conversations about Jimmy Butler being that guy to carry a team to a world championship, man, just throw that out the window because this dude can.
0: Well look. We'll, we'll wait and see. I don't know that that's the key. Well, we don't
1: know that he can until he does. Exactly. So let's
0: let's pump the brakes on that. And, and I let's
1: also, also chill out with the Michael Jordan comparisons with these obscure stat lines. Exactly. Let's not do that. You can make things. Yeah, twenty-eight sound points breaks. and five assists and two Stop it. Stop exactly. It.
0: He's, not, just, he's not
1: he's not Michael Jordan.
0: And I just gave you the stat a few minutes ago that you can take and you can spin it a lot of different ways when you throw out other names like Durant and Kobe Bryant. Now, having said all of that. With the Celtics, we have been here before. I was not shocked at all. Last night does nothing to change my mind, and I think they just ran out of guess. I think the Heat did everything that they were supposed to do in game one. But last series, after the Celtics absolutely blew the doors off of the the nets, they go out and get smacked in game one. They went out and got smacked in game one against Milwaukee. No rest game's a day and a half uh, later here in this situation, and Butler was on top of his game, and you lost Al, Al Horford right before, what, maybe an hour or two before uh, tip-off? Yeah, literally. Literally, safety, literally, an hour and a half protocols. before tip-off, yeah. I mean, you probably knew about Marcus Smart, but you didn't have him either, so why would I have expected any different last night? It doesn't do anything for me as far as changing my perception of, of where this series could go, but back to the Horford thing for a second, because there is a, a bigger issue, and I got to give the guy credit, and that's Brian Windhorse, who told this to you and I uh, a few weeks ago on Canty and Carlin, three to seven each day on ESPN Radio, and that was that his under the radar biggest concern with this postseason was COVID. And that's a big concern right now for the Celtics. I will say there are several staff members with the Celtics who have tested positive
3: over the last few days. So this is something that's got to be worrisome around the Celtics right now. Um, but we will have to see how things develop over the next couple of days with Horford. And you know, But they have to brace themselves for the reality. He's not going to be around, uh, for, for, for at least for game two and
0: maybe longer. Look, if you're going to be dealing with this with a couple of other players too and you have that many people on your staff, then that's where things really get interesting as far as the Heat being able to win this series.
1: Yeah, the depth is a concern. And your point is valid about the fatigue factor because you're talking about the Boston Celtics playing three games in three different cities over the span of five days. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that that didn't play into what we saw last night. But, Carlin, to me, last night was just about one team taking their foot off the gas at halftime and another team ratcheting up the intensity. And let's we not forget, this is who the Miami Heat are. They are the best third-quarter team in the postseason in the NBA. I mean, they've got a plus-68 differential in terms of third-point scoring coming into last night's game. So it's not a surprise to see them start the second half the way that they did. What surprised me was the fact that you saw the Boston Celtics be so careless with the basketball. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Jason Tatum with six turnovers in the third quarter. I think that's a
0: sign of being tired.
1: But that can't happen, Carlin. Now, what I will say is this. I do think that Alf Horford not being on the court to space the floor matters to a degree when it comes to turnovers because it allows those Miami Heat help defenders to jump into the gaps to close down those passing lanes. And you saw a lot of tip passes, a lot of deflections lead to runouts for the Miami Heat, and that gave them instant offense. And when you got guys like Max Strews and Gabe Vincent being able to get open looks, Gabe they start, Vincent! They start to knock down shots, man. I mean, you're talking about yeah. those two guys combined in the first half only having five points. In the second half, they had 23. So, I mean, that's that makes a difference. And that's the other part of this conversation that we were having yesterday where was the scoring gonna come from beyond the first two guys for the Miami Heat? Beyond Tyler Hero, beyond Jimmy Butler, where was the scoring gonna come from? Last night it Listen. was Dave Vincent and it was Max Strus. Miami Heat got to give credit where credit is due. Those guys stepped up and made shots when they needed
0: to. They did. They got themselves a nice little win. That was nice. They're not gonna get swept now. That's great.
1: Yeah, listen, I'm right there with you, Colin. I don't, I don't <laughs> See, think the Miami, changes. I don't think the Miami Heat are going to win this series. Now, I will say this: in conference finals, the game one winner is 79 and 23. But we just saw the Boston Celtics lose game one against the reigning defending champs on their home court in the last series, and they were able to win in seven. And it was 79 so, and 22. before. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, my my whole point is this: it's the Boston Celtics win their whole. They're the better team. But the question is, are they going to be whole at any point this series? Well, here's what I want to know.
0: Did last night in any way affect your perception of this series whatsoever?
1: No. Me neither. No, it didn't change it. Sorry, Heat fans, I, that's I a just, deal. But, Carla, I started with last night being a game that wasn't must win but can't lose if you're yep. Miami. And if and you got no Horford, no Marcus Smart, down two starters, yep. Robert Williams just coming
0: back from a knee injury – you got to win that game if you're the Miami Heat. And I'll tell you what, even if they had had those two, I would have expected them to lose that game, the Celtics. I honestly would have. I would have I expected Because of that short turnaround and everything that we see in these kinds of series, that kind of thing is going to happen. So I'm sorry, Heat fans. this This changes nothing for me. Absolutely nothing. But does it change anything for you? That's what we want to know. All of a sudden, are we supposed to believe in the Miami Heat? 888 729 3776 888 Say ESPN is your call in number. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN radio. So, just exactly how concerned should the Celtics be about their injury situation? We will tell you in moments. Sit tight. Canty and Carlin for Greeny on ESPN radio. Greenie,
4: the podcast. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Heat fans once
0: again getting ticked off. At the fact that we continue to show them disrespect, or at least, I'll, uh, you know, Chris doesn't, Chris is not showing disrespect. <laughs> he just doesn't want to own it. It's okay. What do you mean I don't want to own it? I've already own let it.
1: my opinion be known.
0: Exactly. I don't think the Miami Heat are going to beat the Boston Celtics That's because they're not It is Chris Carlin and Chris Canty In for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus Presented by Progressive Insurance We have been bringing you the Straight Talk Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless No contract, no compromise Now we give you your opportunity to get after it And we will start with Alonzo in Virginia Up first on ESPN Radio this morning Alonzo, what do you got?
3: Mr. Carlin, Mr. Canty, good day to you um, with all due respect, you don't want us to get mad as Heat fans for all the disrespect, but the, 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 the storyline coming out of last night's game is that they, they were going to lose it anyways, and they sh- and they lost it because of injuries. Meanwhile, the Miami Heat are losing their – they have lost their, their starting point guard in Larry, He's been terrible hasn't in been a factor season. for them.
0: He's also been terrible it, in it the postseason. It doesn't season. matter. They just have to plan a, – a, a,
3: besides that, uh, P.J. Tucker showing you the grit and determination of that team – Tweaking his ankle, coming back in, being a difference maker in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, missed me on the injuries. I'm sorry. The Heat have, have made it to well, one seed. They
0: didn't lose well, the game say, because of injuries.
1: Well, we're not saying that they lost the game because of injuries. I think what, we're say, what we're saying is it mattered in the game. And here's the deal. You knew you weren't going to have Kyle Lowry in game one a while ago. They didn't. The, the Boston Celtics didn't know they weren't going to have Marcus Smart or Al Horford until right before tip-off. Yeah. So, and, I mean, there's, there's a difference in terms of the coach being able to develop his overall strategy, his game plan, and how he's going to approach trying to attack the Miami Heat. And,
0: and there's I, a difference.
1: As much as I love
0: Kyle Lowry as a player, let's just let's be real about it. He's been terrible in This ain't playoffs. the same Kyle Lowry that was winning championships no, in Toronto. It's not that dude. He's scoring six points a game and shooting 28% no, in the playoffs. No. Stop with that. Kevin in New York City is up next on ESPN Radio. Kevin, what do you got? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm just calling. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really a Heat fan. I'm actually a Knicks fan. But I put a lot of money on the Bless Heat. Your heart. And I think they're gonna win.
0: You threw yeah. a lot of money on the Heat. You think they're gonna win? And that's reason yeah, enough. So I
1: mean, no, no, no. I'll tell you why. I'll
4: tell you why. I'll tell you. Why. I think Spolstra, learning from Pat Riley, and and he himself. I think he's a different mind. I think. I mean, this might be a little too early to say, but I think he's on the level of like Popovich and. Uh, Coaches like that. This guy is a genius. He could carve up defenses. He could write up schemes. From what I'm seeing in the playoffs so far,
3: the the schemes he's bringing on the defensive end, it's totally different in the first half than it is in the second half. Well, here's where where you can
0: make your case off of last night, and I think you're 100% right. Spolstra is a tremendous coach. Yeah. But if you want to point to something last night, point to how they went after Peyton Pritchard. Listen to this stat from last night. He was the the screener defender, 13 on-ball screens in the fourth quarter, so they went right after him, and they averaged two points per possession in which they did that. I never played the game professionally, That's not good.
1: No, that's not good, but that also wouldn't happen if Marcus Smart was available. So that's to our point. Injuries was a factor in that game.
0: Exactly. And it's a
1: different team defensively when Marcus Smart is out
0: there on the court. Robert, Mississippi is up next on ESPN Radio. Robert, what do you got? Try to sell this to us.
4: Well, you know, I think last night's Boastra proved after halftime that, you know, having a great coach is definitely an advantage. And I I think that's something that... uh, That that needs to
0: be considered, you know. Look, coaching absolutely matters in the NBA. Especially this time of year. Once
1: you get to the Final Four, the Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, coaching matters. Making those in-game adjustments matters, and that's what we saw from Eric Spolstra. But, Carlin, here's the thing. Nobody went into this series saying that Miami didn't have the better of the two coaches. No. Everybody acknowledges that Spo is a better coach than Ime Adoka in his first year. And Eme has done an amazing job this postseason. But we still look at the Boston Celtics as being a better team from a talent standpoint, but we also have to acknowledge the Boston Celtics weren't whole last night, and that makes a difference, especially when you've played three games in three different cities
0: over the course of five days. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. What do your home and auto have in common? They're yours, and Progressive protects them both. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Please keep at it. Travis down in Tampa, Florida, up next on ESPN Radio. Travis, Go.
3: Hey Mr. Carlin, Mr. Canty, this is Travis. How are you guys doing? I just wanted to say real quick that I think um, what the Miami Heat have done with their roster is is pretty insane. You look at a guy like Max Struess and uh, Gabe Vincent stepping up. You know those guys are you know starting roles right now. And then you also have Duncan Robinson on the bench who they haven't even started. It's really crazy. Victor Oladipo is getting a lot of minutes. This team is extremely deep, and I think it's a very uh, two way like Miami Heat is just as good as Boston Celtics. I think this series is going to be amazing and I can't wait to see the rest of the game. Miami Heat fit in here though. So Well, okay. Your Listen,
0: thoughts? that's fair. I I do want to say and I understand that when we talk about depth people get excited about talking about guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Strus. You can't depend on those guys to do that every single night, especially on the road. No. What's going to happen in Boston, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be you're going to get the exact same? No. Why? They're role players, and we know that role players are always going to play better at home than they are on the road. Trey, Florida, next on ESPN Radio. Trey, make your case.
4: All right, guys. It's great to talk to you. I just want to say that um, everybody's forgetting one thing, that basketball is a team sport, and the Miami Heat are the best team in the league. Overall, just team, we're not worried about one guy and what one guy is gonna do. And yeah, we have our one guy and he has been playing great. But it's not about that. The Miami Heat are the best overall team. We have the best bench, we have the most depth and we know how to use it the right way to beat teams that are worried about, oh, is Jason Tatum gonna have a good night? Is is Jalen Brown gonna show up? Hey, Butler doesn't do. show it's up. You're dead in the water. Yeah,
1: that's what I was about to say. I mean, you can have the great team. I mean, the Phoenix Suns had the best record in the regular season in the NBA, and they just got bounced by Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavs. And why did they win? Because the Mavs had the best player in the series. That was the difference. So you can
0: have the best team, but if the star players show up for the other team, then good luck trying to beat that. Let's give Dimitri down in Miami a chance. Dimitri, you're next on ESPN Radio. Go
4: morning, gentlemen. I wanted to comment on, in my opinion, the disrespect you guys have towards the Heat. Um, it, from what I saw in the Celtics and Bucks series, um, this guy Marcus Smart that you guys are waiting to come back, the same guy that gave the ball
3: away twice to let go of a game, and by the luck of Jason Tatum, they were able to win in Milwaukee. So, in my estimation, they shouldn't even be in the Eastern Conference Finals, number one. Number two, you
1: got to put some respect in the Miami Heat. They have a number one seed for a reason. And Jimmy yeah, they, the reason is they had the
0: best record in the Eastern Conference during the regular season.
1: So, Carla, here help me understand this because we're talking about Marcus Smart, and he had a bad moment in the Milwaukee Bucks series. Mm-hmm. But, but now that supersedes all of the good moments he had in that series, or that that supersedes him being defensive player of the year the first time you've had a guard defensive player of the year since Gary Payton
0: now all of a sudden Marcus Smart is a net negative for the Boston Celtics yeah what the hell are we talking about and I know that the Heat fans scream and yell that Bam Adebayo should have been defensive player of the year but guess what Smart was why because he earned the award and that's the kind of difference that the guy makes. It's not just defending. It is all the little things that don't show up in the box score. And, oh, by the way, he could score too when called upon. These are all very positive things. But that does lead to the question, just how concerned should we be about Marcus Smart? Here's more from Wendy this morning on Get Up. He went through some um, some testing, and he just, according to Ime Udoka, he couldn't make basketball
3: moves on that foot. And he's also dealing with, a quad injury as well that he has reaggravated several times during the last round. So there was hope within the team that the treatment that he was getting um, was going to improve and he would be able to play in game two. Um, but we're going to have to wait and see. And that was really a huge uh, factor in the game because the Heat – attacked Peyton Pritchard, especially uh, in minutes that would have been Marcus Smart's minutes. And, and Jimmy Butler, especially, was able to repeatedly get downhill. So the Marcus Smart situation, more something that could be solved faster uh, and something that Celtics probably
0: need even more than Horford at this point. Well, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the case was to be made specifically for last night that when they found out as late as they did about Horford, <coughs> excuse me, that that actually hurt in the moment a little bit more, because at least they were mentally prepared that they may be without Smart.
1: Yes, but I think overall their defense takes a hit because the the guys, the five guys on the court aren't tied together, and that's where you talk about missing two starters comes into play. That's, That's how it becomes a factor. The connectivity on the defensive end was not there in the second half, and you saw conversely with the Miami Heat, it was there. Those guys were tied together, and you could see how they were hedging, how they were, they were able to get into passing lanes. They were able to create turnovers. They were able to get stops. Those things matter in the postseason. Those things help you to swing the momentum in a series. They help you swing the momentum in a given game. And it's clear that Boston Celtics, they couldn't lean on their defense to do that in the way that the Miami Heat did. And, Carlin, that's why we're talking about the Miami Heat in Game 1 of the Conference Finals scoring the most points that the Boston Celtics have allowed from any team throughout the playoffs.
0: Anything that you just heard from any caller do anything to influence you differently? No. Me neither. So keep trying. Keep taking your shots. But, but the, what, what I heard
1: from Wendy does make a difference, though, because if he can't make basketball moves, then how close is Marcus Smart to being able to return? But
0: the, and Wendy, at the end of it, didn't even sound that concerned about it. Like, I mean, listen, if he couldn't make basketball moves last night... If they don't have him in game two and the Heat win game two, all right, maybe I'll start to take a look
1: This at ain't it. the team you want to go down 0-2-2. This ain't mm. the team you want to go down 0-2-2. It's not. I, I just, they're, they're, they're too industrious. They're too workmanlike. This is a blue-collar squad, and they're going to make you work for every single thing. I have a hard time believing that Boston, as talented as they are, is going to be capable of winning four of the next five if they start out this series down 0-2. And know that they don't have Game 7 in their building. Breaking news
0: for you. Uh Uh-oh, I like it. Let's go. And it's not even NBA-related. What? It is related to your former team. Ex-giant James Bradbury signs a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Ooh. $10
0: million for one year for James Bradbury. That is a... Sneaky big move. That's an outstanding signing by Howie Roseman, by the way, because the
1: one place that you would point to on that Eagles team Mm. where they're a little bit light is their secondary. Yep. When we were comparing them and the Cowboys side-by-side, we said the back seven of the Cowboys' defense is a lot better than the back seven for the Eagles' defense. Well, all of a sudden now that Eagles' defense is getting a little bit closer to the Cowboys. And I got to say this, Carlin, if you're asking me which cornerback tandem I trust more – I trust the quarterback tandem for the
0: Eagles more than I trust the quarterback tandem for the Cowboys. And not only that, they may be getting a little bit closer defensively, but the Cowboys are getting a little further away from the Eagles in the NFC East because the Eagles, I thought after the draft had really grabbed hold of the NFC East and this Drives it home a little bit further. This is a terrific
1: move Well, for Carlin, you. I'll take it a step further. I thought before the draft, the Eagles were in the driver's yeah. seat for the NFC East. But now, after the draft, being able to add a big guy in the middle of that defense like Jordan Davis to pair with Javon Hargrave, you're talking about 700 pounds a man in the middle of that defense. That means your linebackers behind them, they can run and hit all day. Not to mention, Fletcher Cox gets to be a situational pass yep. rusher now. I don't have to use him up on first and second down. I can maximize what he's got. I can maximize what he's got left in the tank. So I think that's going to be huge for the Eagles. That offensive line is built like a brick wall, and then you added A.J. Brown to Devontae Smith Mm -hmm. and Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders. That's the skill position core that Jalen Hurts has to work with. If he just makes incremental improvement in his second full year as a starter, which we
0: see a lot of quarterbacks do, Carlin, he better. You're talking about this Eagle team not only getting in the playoffs but being able to go on a run. Listen, they got to the playoffs this past year, and they have gotten nothing but better this offseason. I don't think anybody would argue that. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good, really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it, so cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless, now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan with five gigabytes of hotspot and nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. A month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So the Bradbury to the Eagles news comes down courtesy of Adam Schefter just moments ago, but there is more basketball to contend with. Well, it's defending this Luka Doncic. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You look at Golden State and personnel-wise, who's going to get him? It's going to be most of Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, I believe. I believe
1: Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole will find their groove against Dallas.
0: It all begins tonight. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio out west. Golden opportunity for Luka Doncic going up against the Golden State Warriors. Was and- that pun intended? No, it really wasn't. Oh, okay, I'm not that sharp, dude. Come okay, out. Golden, nah, I'm not that guy. Oh, Plus, I-, I don't, I don't particularly care for puns. Okay, I but- wasn't sure. Nah, no, I know. The- I mean,
1: you know, I'm getting to know your my new teammate. This is a new thing. So- Pu-
0: uh, puns, little dorky, yes. Uh, little dorky, not, yes, b- no? not not big pun. Well, no, not big pun. I would not mess with big Bun. <laughs> it is interesting to see these two stars, in Steph Curry and Luka Doncic, going up against each other. And you start to think about legacy when it comes to Steph. I've talked this, about this part a lot, that it really is fascinating to see a, a core of a team in the NBA, whether time as well as this group has between Steph, Clay Thompson, and and Draymond because they had the pre-Durant days where they Mm -hmm. won a championship and Andre Iguodala is a a finals MVP. Mm -hmm. Then they have the Durant days where they win a couple of more championships with him and he's the MVP. And now they have another opportunity to win a championship with Steph, Clay, and now you add Jordan Poole and and uh, and and Wiggins to the you know Draymond Green mix there mm-hmm. but for Steph versus Luka how important is this particular series or even winning a title at this point to Steph's long-term legacy well
1: Steph is knocking on the door of being a top 10 player of all time mm-hmm. right i mean that that's where he is he's the greatest shooter that the game has ever seen and he's revolutionized the game of basketball but we also still have to acknowledge that he's won three championships. He's been to four NBA finals, and he has yet to win an NBA finals MVP. So there are a lot of people that want to see him do more high-level winning and point to him as being the main reason why his team won. Now, Carlin, you and I are not of that belief because we know that Steph affects the ways, affects the game in other ways than, mm-hmm. than just what shows up on the stat sheet. So we know that, that Steph can be a factor, even though he might not drop 30, 40 points. But I think there are a lot of people that want to see him add that NBA Finals MVP trophy to the trophy case. Put you that think that's a resume. big deal? I think it's a big deal. When you look at the other players that a lot of people are putting in the top 10, usually those guys have that. So, I mean, that's that's the one thing that we can point to as a knock to step. So, him being able to get out of this series, get back to an NBA Finals and win it and potentially be the MVP of that series, I think that would go a long ways in terms Matter of fact, forget saying going long ways. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry at that point will be a top 10 player. I'm not sure who I'm kicking out of my top 10, but I know Steph Curry got to be in it.
0: I I think he's in it in the back end right now. But I think right now, right now, on the back end, I don't want to. I I need you
1: to put together a list in the break, and I need to see your
0: top 10. Okay. Yeah. But having said that, with Luca, to be able to go and beat Steph, get to the finals, and maybe win a championship this year. At 23 years old, with what he has around him, then all of a sudden, we are talking about the start of just an incredible career, and he gets into that discussion of an all-time great already just a few years into his career because you would have a championship at that point. Mm -hmm. But also, what he would have around him in getting that championship... (sighs) It would be remarkable to see that, to see a guy of that ilk be able to carry a team all the way to a title. Now, I think we can agree, if it's Luka scoring 50, it's probably not a good thing for the Mavericks because it means everybody else has been shut down, and it's kind of similar to what we saw last series. But as much as that's the case, he doesn't have a Robin right now. No, he doesn't, but here's the thing with
1: Luka. Before you can be viewed as a guy that has a career arc, To be a top 10 player of all time, you first got to hold the belt as the best player in the world. And he's not there yet, but I think he has an opportunity this postseason to get there. If he gets out of the conference finals and he wins a championship, then you're talking about a serious conversation between him and Giannis as who's the best player in the world going into next season. It is fascinating
0: when you watch the, the legacies continue to be shaped but I actually believe Steph is is already there. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny for the ones. Who get it done? Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We still haven't gotten the good argument yet as to why the heat Really can win this series. Neither one of us was convinced of anything last night. Eight eight eight, say ESPN. 888-729-3776. Hit us up on the call-in line. But up next, Brian Cashman. Uh, your team may have the best record in baseball, but you done screwed up. We'll tell you how. Next, Greeny on ESPN Radio.
4: Greeny, the podcast
0: I can already tell Canty will be annoyed with my top 10 players. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But first up, some Yankee baseball with what's going on with Aaron Judge. He has just been ridiculous. The job search can be a long, frustrating journey. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work For you, They send you jobs you can apply to with one click, and they pitch your profile to employers. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, also on your smart speaker. How about these numbers for Aaron Judge, who homered last night twice and could have homered a third time. I don't think he's going to need to put his resume on ZipRecruiter. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, and it appears that Brian Cashman has really screwed up. How about this from Buster last night? Aaron Judge, as we know, bet on himself, turned down the $210 million extension on top of the money he was going to make this year. He is currently on pace to finish the season with 135 runs scored, 32 doubles, 63 home runs, 135 RBI, 185 hits, and 68 walks. Wow, just wow. So Brian Cashman offered him 210 million, and the injuries were obviously the biggest concern. If he stays healthy and puts up these kind of numbers, it may cost 400 million to get Aaron Judge.
1: Here's the thing that bothers me about this, Carl, and it's not like we couldn't see this thing coming. Of course. We, we know what the going rate is going to be for a premier outfielder in today's game. We saw those deals with Mookie Betts. We saw what happened with Mike Trout. We know what it was going to cost to keep Aaron Judge, and it wasn't the $29 million a year that Brian Cashman offered him on the eve of the season starting. It wasn't. And so the question that you had to ask yourself, if you're in the Yankees front office, is do we, do we want to pay – what it's going to cost for Aaron Judge on the open market. And based off the season that he's having and how the Yankees have done business in recent years, the answer to that question is going to be no. Hal Steinbrenner is not going to pony up what it's going to cost to get Aaron Judge. He's just not. And so where do you turn if you're the New York Yankees to replace that kind of production? Not just the bat in your lineup, but what Aaron Judge gives you out in the outfield because he's a gold glove outfielder. You're talking about a guy that can play right field, a guy that can play center field. He's a heck of a defensive player, and he's got an absolute cannon attached to his right shoulder. So, I I don't know why the Yankees decided to handle Judge this way, but it's turning out to be the wrong decision.
0: Well, I think that replacement that they're thinking about is Juan Soto. And now, he's not a free agent for a couple of more years. Keep in mind that he has not – he has already turned down a $300 million extension – With the Washington Nationals. So he wants to go to free agency. And Mm. (laughs) if you're Juan Soto, why wouldn't you? I mean, he's not going to be a free agent until, what, after 2025? Yeah. He's got three more years. So maybe they'll start to talk about trading him. But Nuno, uh, as we bring you in for a second, there are two teams here that have already maybe expressed a little early interest because of where the Nats are headed. Who are those two teams? So Buster has a piece out on uh,
3: ESPN uh, Plus, where some te- you know te- ten tidbits on the MLB trade deadline as it's starting to heat up, mm-hmm. and Juan Soto's name was mentioned, and two teams that I guess has been mentioned are the Padres
0: and the Blue Jays. If he ends up with the Blue Jays. Can you imagine, like, there was just an audible sigh from Chris when he even started thinking about that. Chris, also a massive Yankee fan, as well as a Laker fan, i.e. front runner for most of his life.
1: You know, here's, here's why I gave you the sigh, though, Carla. It didn't have to be this. You know why it didn't have to be this? Because you didn't have to trade for Giancarlo Stanton in 2018. You didn't have to do nope. that. Why did you take that salary on? The guy's making $29 million, and you're on the hook for it for five more years after this one. Why did you do that? I if tell you're ya. Brian Cashman, it's re- it's it's repetitive. It's redundant. You already had that guy in Aaron Judge. And, oh, by the way, Judge is a much better defensive player. You didn't have to do it, and that's why it's maddening as a Yankees fan because it's going to cost you a homegrown guy who can be one of the very best players in all of baseball.
2: Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+.
0: Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.
3: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.